Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. I'm your host, Adam Homie, and you are in the right place if you are a business creator. Now, by business creator, I mean one of four different things. You can be an entrepreneur or small business owner or local business owner. You may be a marketing or business coach. You may be folks or somebody who helps others build their businesses, such as web designers, social media strategists, PR people, marketing coaches, business coaches, copywriters, any type of anybody else who helps others win at the game of marketing. And, of course, do-it-yourselfers who have your own hands on the levers and just love to handle this stuff yourself. We have a number of people in the audience. I have a number of clients who just get so much excitement out of doing this stuff themselves, and I'm not going to be the one to tell them not to do it. So what I am going to tell them to do is tune into Business Creators Radio Show, where our guest experts help you win at business and marketing. Now, take a moment, explore our episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, and be sure to check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us spread the message. For today's episode, I'm very excited to have with us a very unique guest who I promise you is going to give you a ton of great information that you are going to be able to take action upon today. The title of today's episode is called Targeting Your Audience, and our guest expert is Alex Allison Lex. Allison got her start working for two of the highest paid and most sought-after copywriters and strategists in the business. You've probably heard of these gentlemen. Their names are Dan Kennedy and Bill Glazer. As a marketing manager for the Glazer Kennedy Insider Circle, known as GKIC, Allison got a first-class education in all things direct response, and she's used that education to build her own business, providing copywriting and marketing strategy to clients all over the world. She's been working on her education over the past five years because we learn by doing, learning about online marketing, social media, relationships, and networking, you name it. And these techniques that she has mastered are helping clients everywhere from her hometown of Baltimore, Maryland, a beautiful city, I love to visit there, all the way to Australia, that's right, we're international, make their marketing fun, effective, and profitable. How are you doing today, Allison? Uh, you know what? I am stoked. I'm pumped. I'm excited to be here to talk about marketing. Thank you so much for having me, and I just I can't wait to start diving in, diving in, and giving that actionable information that you mentioned. It's uh it's going to be a good time. <laughs> this has got to be this has got to be the first time I've actually heard the guest expert chomping at the bit while reading off their official bio. So I know this is going to be a pretty exciting thing, and I just love the dish about. Copy. I spend so much time fixing copy. I spend so much time on email sequences. These are a couple things we spend a lot of time on in this business for our clients. And I just love mm-hmm. picking people's brains on this and identifying more best practices. Now, before Absolutely. we get into this, mm-hmm. before we get into this, before we dive in, let's just take a quick step back. I, I read off your bio, and I hope you can live up to that. By the way, I'm kidding. And, uh, <laughs> and give us and give that. And give listeners who may not have heard of you yet a chance to get to know you a little. Just tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about your background in your own words. Just tell us your story and brought you to where you are today and how you've come to help entrepreneurs and business creators make their marketing rock. 
Definitely. Well, you said I got my start working, work, working, marketing with Bill Glazer and Dan Kennedy at Glazer Kennedy Insider right. Circle, which was a huge leg up in this whole marketing world. I mean, these guys were brilliant, and not only did I have access right. to the GKIC library of product, but I had access to their personal libraries and their brains. So um, it really showed me what an awesome world marketing is, and it I kind of became a little obsessed. I fell in love with it, and now I devour <laughs> every bit of information I can get my grubby little hands on. Um, <laughs> and I love to use it to, to build businesses, to make money, um, come up with really fun marketing campaigns both on and offline. And uh, and that's really where where I am. You know, I have clients like you said from right. here in Baltimore and uh, international all the way to Australia, which is a country I hope to visit someday. So uh, it's been a been a been a roller coaster, and I'm loving every second of it. <laughs> I just hope to see Baltimore again someday. I moved to Las Vegas last year. Uh, two uh, of my really good friends live in Alexandria, Virginia, and oh, the okay. husband of that couple used to yeah the husband of that couple lived in Baltimore for four years. He lived right near the avenue, if you know that part of town. Um, I live like, yeah, I live right around there, not too far away. Okay. So it's, uh, right. we call it Smalltimore because everybody seems to know everybody else. It's a small town <laughs> in a big city. Um, right. And I actually went to Vegas last year, so look at that. Isn't that funny? Well, you'll definitely <laughs> have to come back. It's about, it's about 86 degrees and sunny and balmy, and it's only April 22nd here, so right. not to date this podcast, but that's, that's, what, that's what day it is. And, that's right, uh, the I'm information we have is timeless. I know, warmer and warmer and warmer. So here yes. at the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide mm-hmm. the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. And a lot of our <laughs> listeners tell me, they tune in, they listen to our guest experts, and they say, I can do any of that stuff. There's just two things I'm missing, time and money. Now, this is a question we ask every expert who appears on our show, and I think it may apply especially to this topic because there are so many people out there that think that writing copy is hard and it's very expensive to hire a copywriter. Are they right? Are they wrong? Where are we on this? A little bit of both. How about that? Um, All right. (laughs) Writing great (laughs) copy it it can happen. You can absolutely teach yourself. Um, you can look at people who write great copy already. Um, you right. know, I think uh, John Carlton says he's the most – oh, no, Gary Halbert, I think, says he's the most um, swiped copywriter of all time. There's some right. classic sales letters and headlines that will convert – um, they're timeless and they're awesome. And so the the first way that you can write great copy is to look at those great marketing pieces that perform well, that you see around a lot, because the more you see them, the better they're doing. People aren't going to invest in something that's not working. And right. so, um, I call it swipe and deploy. So basically you take okay. that sales letter and you say, what elements from this sales letter can I use to create my own sales letter? This headline is great. How can I reword it for my business? How can I use this copy for my business and use the formula that they've used in my copy? And so really you don't need to know anything except how to look for a really great sales letter and then model after it. And we don't we don't support plagiarism. You don't want to copy it word for word, but you want to model your sure. stuff after that. And so that's really the quickest, easiest and cost most cost effective way to start writing great copy uh today. Right. <laughs> so I might, it doesn't I might take a lot at all. 
Yeah, I'd like to make a couple points here. There actually is nothing new under the sun when it comes to this stuff. I think there are a lot of people out there who think that copywriting is this esoteric, crazy thing that nobody can ever (laughs) possibly understand. But the truth is that you can understand it, and one of the best ways to get involved in it is to go out there, start writing copies, start doing campaigns, and start Mm -hmm. seeing the results. Uh, You're probably not going to hit your first million dollars with your very first sales letter or your very nope. first email you send out. It's going to be, I mean, you're going to send the stuff out, you're going to develop things, you're going to tweak things, and eventually you're going to get that dollar bill to hang on the wall, if you know what I'm talking about. Exactly. Yeah, you'll get, you'll exactly. get there at some point. Now, up until then, you just simply you get out there, you practice, and you work at it, and you will get there. A lot of copywriters I know that I've spoken with tell the story of their success as a copywriter as, Failure, 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 eh, eh, failure, failure, bomb, eh, okay, failure, failure, bam, it just happens like that. Have you heard yeah. stories like that before? I have, actually, there's a quote I've heard, and I think I saw it in a Facebook group that I'm a member of, that, oh, yeah, I'm an overnight success, it only took me 15 years to get here. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, that one's been around for a long time, so... What I'd like yeah. to do here, Allison, is I'd like to start backwards. Uh, okay. I, and I love these stories. And I know some of our listeners may like these stories, too. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see people making with their marketing copy? Oh, the mistakes. I always like the, the mistakes stuff, too. Um, <laughs> well, there are really a couple big mistakes. Um, the first mistake that I see people make is being boring um, or mainstream right. or all about themselves. And we call that, like, you know, big, dumb copy. Um, and that's like the jingles that you see on TV that I'm loving it. I don't want to name drop anything. But it's all about them, and it's all branding, and it doesn't have a purpose, and it doesn't say, hey, here's an awesome reason for you to contact me right now and give me your money, your information, your support, whatever you're asking for. Um, I come from a right. direct response background, so every marketing message needs to have a purpose. What do you want them to do? And if you're boring, they're not going to pay attention to it, and they're not going to see it, and it's going to blend in with all the other marketing messages that we see throughout our day, which numbers in the thousands between Internet, TV, magazines, billboards, and all the other ways that we can see marketing messages. So, um, you know, I don't have a really good example because I don't pay attention to it either. It's boring. I don't want that. I want something exciting and fun, and I'm all about fun over here. The the other thing is the note not targeting your message, okay? So sending a marketing message to somebody that it's clearly not right for. And I do have an example for this, and I get a new example every week. AARP sends me membership materials once a week, and I am 29 years old. <laughs> I'm not I'm not at the age where I can join AARP, which is the American Association for Retired Persons. <laughs> Their minimum age, I believe, is 50 or 55. I looked it up at one point and then promptly forgot the number. I can't join them for another 20 to 25 years at the least. <laughs> But they still waste their marketing dollars on me every week. So not only does it make me laugh because I think, oh, all the poor marketing dollars wasted, but it's wasting their marketing money. Instead of being able to take the money they're spending on me and spend it on the person next door who is the age that can join them 
and just maybe needs a little bit more marketing money spent on them. So it's a very wasteful practice. That It, it hurts my heart to see the marketing dollars wasted in such a, a, a bad way. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and and that's that's a huge mistake. You know, not really figuring out who your customer is and finding out the best way to reach them. Um, and then, really, the third mistake that I see is is kind of in the implementation of it. Whether it's proofreading to make sure that your headline doesn't have a typo, or that you're not using the correct version of your on social media because you know you're going to get in trouble for that one. <laughs> or um, an example I saw circulating the internet was a picture of a of an ad in a New Zealand newspaper. And the call to action was a click here button because they use the same ad online as they used in the paper. But you can't click on a newspaper. <laughs> so, and it, take, it took everybody a minute to figure out what, what was going on there. Like, why is this wrong? Oh, my goodness, I can't click. Um, but so just taking that extra time after you've implemented, and I love speed to implementation. I think it's great. Get stuff done and get it done fast. But take a minute to review it and make sure you're also doing it well. Um, so really those three mistakes, the being boring, not targeting, and just making some silly errors, um, that, those are the three biggest mistakes that I see people make. Yeah, and I think those are pretty major mistakes. And there is yeah. some copy out there. I will tell you that I saw, I couldn't believe this when I saw it. it was, this is about four or five years ago, but it still mm-hmm. just rings in my head. And this was mm-hmm. in a web designer's portfolio, a mm-hmm. site that they were proud of. It was written by this accounting firm. And on the front page of the website, it actually outlined the reasons, you know, you know the parameters under which, the accountants would return your call or if they would return your call if you tried to call them. I'm thinking you're putting up on the front page of your website, you're telling people that if they call you and they're a customer and they want to hire your services, you might not call them back? Wow, talk about disqualification right up front. Yeah, yeah, they were disqualifying basically every prospective customer. Now, it's one thing to say, you know, spaces are limited or because of the amount of energy I put mm-hmm. into my coaching clients, I only have twelve. Pe- I only have space for 12 people in the program where I can right. only take five projects right now or because mm-hmm. this is a busy season, we right. are very selective about what additional, uh, you know, what additional accounting projects we can take on because it is, after all, April 15th is around the corner. It's one thing right. to say those things, but to, on, you know, in the middle of summer, have on the, up on your website, well, you know, depending on what you're calling about, we may or may not even bother to call you back. We know you're a paying customer, but oh well. Come on now. Right. Well, and, you know, I, I mean, this stuff. so much of marketing is relationships and building relationships with that no like and trust factor and that that kind of thing right there which I can't tell if that's a proofreading error or maybe just being a little too big for their britches but that that doesn't build that that trust and that relationship that that severs it so that's i mean that's a real shame it's a real shame to hear about that kind of stuff you're absolutely you're absolutely right now one of the things i heard you say was the importance of focusing your message on your target audience so mm-hmm. I've got to hear your take on this. How do we figure out who your target audience is and how do we learn about them? What's your process for that? Okay. Well, the, the easiest way to find out who your target audience is is to look at who's your best customer now. Um, what do they have in common? 
you know you have if you have a list of 100 customers who are your 10 best customers and what do they have in common think consider things like their demographics of course their age their gender their location their occupation their income level um their marital status, their, what kind of house they live in, all the, the demographic, hard factual information. And then you also right. want to consider how, um, you know, their buying habits, are they, are they a one-time big-ticket purchase? Do they purchase a lot over a long time that are smaller? Do they buy everything that you put out with, you know, crazy, wild abandon? <laughs> That kind of thing, so how they interact with you. And then we want to look at some of these psychological things that really involve you um, drawing some conclusions but also asking them some questions. There's nothing wrong with asking asking your, your best customers to take a, a quick survey. Um, you want to think about what keeps them up at night. What are they worrying about? Um, what stresses them out? What makes you know that, that pain at the back of your neck and your shoulders just tense up? What causes that for them? Whether or not it's related to your business. You want to think about what they love. What do they love to do? What do they love to think about? What makes them happy? What makes them sad? What What do they want less of in their life? What do they want more of in their life? You know, I mean, if you're a weight loss specialist and you, you're a personal trainer and you help people get weight loss or, you know, lose some weight, they want less weight, they want more fitness, you know, basic stuff like that, but dig even deeper, and they want, you know, people who want to lose weight, they want to be healthier, they want to live longer, they want to be around for their kids or their grandkids, they're, they're seeing their future and it's not what they wanted. Right. So you take what you know and you draw some psychological conclusions from that, and what that's going to allow you to do is really speak to them on their level and and help them know that you get it, that you know what they're feeling, that you know who they are, and that you really do have the solution that they need to to make this problem, um, whether it's being overweight or having an overgrown lawn or needing something to eat for dinner tonight. You know, mm-hmm. you have this problem under control. You are the solution, and you're, you are so much the solution because you get it on that deep human-to-human level. Right. You're not company-to-person, but you're a human speaking to another human, and, you're, and it goes back to that know, like, and trust factor. They're trusting you because you know so much about them. Right. Right. That that's the now. What happens (laughs) exactly? What happens when you don't focus on your message to your target audience? What happens when you? I mean, other than the obvious, which is you don't sell anything, you don't gain any leads, you don't gain any opt-ins, you don't gain any Mm -hmm. like and trust. What else happens when you don't focus your message to your target audience? There. Well, your target audience isn't going to see it. I mean, that's just they're not even going to know you exist. Because, like I mentioned earlier, we are hit with thousands upon thousands of marketing messages every day. And we connect with the ones that speak to us on that deeper level. And, you know, we may, and I may see it and I may buy from you, but I'm not going to be as connected to you. I'm not going to be as engaged with you. I'm not going to care about you because I don't feel like you care about me. 
right? And if I'm already your customer and you're sending me marketing messages that don't work for me, it's going to make me feel even more disconnected, even more frustrated, and I'm likely to not be your customer. And I'm going to be more willing to jump on the negative bandwagon of, you know, the publicity side, you know, viral stuff on Facebook than I would be on the positive bandwagon. There's a lot right. of a lot of things that you know, you say other than no sales, but really that's that's the start, right? The sale is the beginning <laughs> of your relationship. The sale is the first date. <laughs> you yeah, want to yeah, have yeah. this Thank long you. and Thank fruitful. you for pointing that out. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, yeah, so your sale is your first date. So if you don't make a sale, she said no to the first date or he said no to the first date. But, you know, untargeted marketing is going on that first date and having a really bad time. <laughs> <laughs> and so you don't get the second date or a third date. Um, you know, you want to build that relationship and you want to – Business is, you know, they say it's not personal, it's business. I really don't believe that. I believe business is personal because we're all people. Whether you sell to businesses or to consumers, we're all people. You're a person, I'm a person, and we, we like to make money, right? Right. So if you, if you don't target to your, to your ideal audience, if you're not really speaking to them in your copy and all of your marketing messages, it, it just becomes less personal, and it's not as effective, and it's not as fun. And, uh, yeah. What I like to say, yeah, what I, what I like to say is worship of your Internet marketing hero is praise of a false god. What I mean by that is mm-hmm. I, I have seen this happen too often, and I, this is just one of several reasons that we got out of website development altogether in this business mm-hmm. is folks will come to you and you know, folks will come to you and they will say, for instance, you know, I'm working with a coach, I'm working with a mentor or what have you, mm-hmm. and I want a website just like theirs. I want an evening just like theirs. I want my Facebook to look just like theirs. I want my LinkedIn profile to be just like right. theirs. And they said, oh, you can just copy me. Just copy me, follow my steps exactly, and you'll be successful. Mm-hmm. And I say, and after a while, I, I fell for this a couple of times because I thought that mm-hmm. you know, following the lead of a successful client that actually get results. But what would happen is they would turn around and they would say, uh, this is, hasn't worked. I blame you, meaning me. And right. I would say, okay, well, we followed mm-hmm. uh, your coach exactly, right? You know, let's compare them side mm-hmm. by side. We, we did exactly what you insisted we do, and mm-hmm. it is, but, 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 they, but they said it would work. Yeah, no. well, their audience is different than yours. Yeah, exactly. I was just about to mm-hmm. ask you, what do you think is the biggest problem? Uh, there's that, and that's one of them. One of them is, one of them is, what works for their audience doesn't necessarily work for your audience. Just because you're your coach doesn't mean you're in the same industry. In fact, the likelihood is that you're you're in a different industry because you do what right. they do and they do coaching. That's the first thing you have to remember. That's the first thing. Right. Second thing you have to the second thing you have to remember is there's a complete lack of authenticity because people know a clone ranger when they see one. And exactly. the third and the third item is how do you really know that your coach has had success with these things? Right. Right. Think about I mean, this. Think about this. Your coach <laughs> has had success getting coaching clients to join their program. They've had success getting you to give them money. That's what they do well. But yeah. as far as having an online marketing presence, as far as writing copy that actually does this, 
How do you know their copy did it at all? How do you know that they didn't build their entire coaching and mastermind program based on public speaking or based on connecting with people on LinkedIn or based on one-on-one referrals or based on exactly. selling of existing customers? How do you know that this worked at all? So whenever I see that and I say, worship your Internet marketing heroes, praise of a false god, you find mm-hmm. best practices. You find what is working for others and you adapt it to your own audience. You speak the language mm-hmm. that they speak in the places where they hang out. Uh, it's, it's great to mm-hmm. learn from mentors. It's great to learn from models. And I really wanted to bring this point home because, this, again, I've had this happen a couple times. And Absolutely. after the first couple times, my retort was very simple. I would, you know, I, would, I would look at it out and say, you know, overall this is very good. I would probably do a couple things differently. And if they some, said something to be effective about uh, they said something to me like, well, you know, I have a coach. I don't really need your input. I just need your implementation. I would say, well, if all you're looking for is implementation, this coach of yours, they probably have a web designer. They probably have a social media person. They probably have somebody who runs mm-hmm. their shopping cart. They have all these other things. So you right. probably best behooved just going to them because they've already built it. All they have to do is copy, paste, and put your name on it. Doesn't that make right. sense? Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, and you mentioned something as well you don't know what the other marketing that they've done is. And so that's a really right. good point to bring up. Um, you got to do more than one thing. <laughs> that's um, the other, a ton of yeah. Internet marketers, a ton of the top Internet marketers use direct mail. Right. They don't just market online because direct mail is working for them. And, you know, exactly. networking events are always packed full of people. And LinkedIn is oh, yeah. hopping and Facebook groups are hopping and, you know, <laughs> all these places where you can meet and connect and find other find new customers that fit that target market profile that we've just built, right, by looking at all of the details and figuring out right. the psychological stuff. They're not, you know – they they may not be all in the same place, and you got to find them where they are. You have to meet them where they hang out, and yes. they may hang out on Facebook, but they may not. They may hang out on LinkedIn, but they may not. They may be at the bar down the street, or right. they're they're searching Google for you, or exactly. you know all of those things. So multifaceted marketing campaigns plus targeted copy. That's, I mean, that's the winner right there. (laughs) Here's the analogy I use. Allison, here's the analogy I use all the time. Mm -hmm. Let's say that that I've just built a widget, and I'm calling it, this is my widget. And I'm going to go on Facebook, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to try and build a following of people who would be likely to buy my widget. But then Uh I find out that my best customers, the ones who actually have money to give me, are over on Mm -hmm. Google Plus screaming, demanding a better, more abundant Frankfurter. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take my widget, and I'm going to put a label on it that says Moribund Frankfurter version 3.0. And I'm going to go over to Google+, Plus and I'm going to sing this thing to the stars. Exactly. And that's how I'm going to sell them. Exactly. You know, um, earlier you asked about how, how fast and easy it was to get into, you know, to create good marketing. And yes. we're outlining all the good steps. Right? I mean, you gotta you got to do yeah. some research. you got to figure out what they want. you got to target it. you got to know where they are, how they, how they want your, you know, the best way to deliver your information or your product or your service to them. So it does take a little bit of time. It does take a little bit of effort. You've got to put the effort into it. But you do it once, right. you do it right, and, and then you've got that, that profit coming in because now you know what you've got to do to make your money. Exactly. I have one, yeah, I have one client 
he launches four or five information products a year, and uh, mm-hmm. and he's been launching information products forever. Now, we figured out the secret sauce about four years ago of mm-hmm. what types of marketing messages to send to the audience, how to do the pre-launch for his audience, mm-hmm. how to adjust that depending on what type of product it is, what price point right. it is, what the product actually delivers. And, I mean, I mean, there have been cases where he didn't even see any of the emails that went out, but then we would do these launches that were $30,000, $50,000. And I'm talking real-world right. numbers here. Uh, somebody, mm-hmm. I mean, for this one client, for instance, we found a product of his that was 15 years old. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? A 15-year-old product that had been recorded on VHS tapes and then subsequently wow. transferred to DVD. So yeah. we sent it off to the video- videographer to rip it in MP4s and throw it in the membership area. Mm-hmm. And we dug up the old sales letter. Uh, oh we, you know, he and I did a session on Skype where we updated it to 2014, and we put it out there as a five-day limited day. You know, it's back from the dead mm-hmm. here for five days. This is me at my most evil, most wicked. This is the old <laughs> stuff. You really want to grab this? And we were thinking that we would make four or $5,000 to plug a hole in this cash flow scenario. Instead, yeah. uh, it came out at almost $28,000. It paid you for his European win. vacation. And right. it paid for the marketing for the launch of his next flagship product three months later. Exactly. Yeah, so exactly. his marketing for his next launch was already paid for. And that's that's the power of good targeted copy and a multifaceted marketing system and, a, a, a you know, knowing your stuff, knowing your audience. Right. And right. Now my, my question, though, is even though four years ago you figured out the secret sauce, are you still testing right. it? Oh, of course we are. Of course we are, and, and we have still improve. That's exactly. Yeah, yeah. We, we're always testing. finding little. Th- we're always finding little things to improve. Even though we're going back to the mm-hmm. same email swipe files, we're uh-huh. still experimenting with subject lines. We're experimenting with how we position yep. the message. We're looking at things that worked exactly. before. We're looking at things that didn't work so well before. We're using mm-hmm. ad tracking on the links to figure out which ones got the best click throughs. I mean, we do all this stuff, and this stuff is so right. easy to set up. I mean, I mean, how do you test subject lines? You send out emails and see how many people open them. Uh, you yeah. know, you touch click through. You put tracking on the link in the email and you see how many people clicked on it. You uh-huh. do the math between the open rate and the click through rate, and you know how effective it's going. Exactly, exactly. It's um, right. but you're not doing any more work now to figure out your audience on a continual basis than you did at the beginning. But had you not done it in the beginning, you would have a really hard time making good money now. That that $28,000 launch probably would have never happened if you hadn't done your homework to begin with. Right, Mm -hmm. exactly. Now, we're about halfway through here, and we've already come up with some great action steps. We've also been bitching about some war stories here, which is awesome. Yeah. So you're a copywriter. (laughs) You're a copywriter. I'm a copywriter. And people Mm -hmm. listen to this because they want copywriting tips. One of the reasons we are so excited to have you here, Allison, is, just in the six years, excuse me, the six months we've been doing the Business Creators Radio Show, uh, you know, we've been testing various topics, and we found that copywriting, along with uh, search engine optimization, are basically our two most popular topics. Now, awesome! I like being popular. Since you're a copywriter, exactly, exactly. Since you're a copywriter, I've got to ask this question because I think you've seen the same debate go on on social media all the time. I think you mm-hmm. know I'm about to ask just by the tone of my I voice. I do, yeah. What, yeah. Converts, what converts better, long copy or short copy? Oh, I love long copy. I'm such a long copy girl. Um, right. What converts better? 
What com- I can't tell you that. It all depends on your audience. Um, copy okay. needs to be as long as it needs to be to make the sale. No shorter, right. no longer. Um, so if it takes you six pages on, on a Word doc to sell a product, then it takes you six pages, not five and a half, not six and three quarters. It takes you six okay. pages. If all it takes is a 140-character tweet to sell a product for you, then it takes 140 characters, not 141. Um, you know, and so I personally am in the long copy camp. I think okay. that... Um, you know, going back to those marketing mistakes, uh, mistake number four is that people don't give you enough information, attention, all of those things up front for you to buy their product or enter your information right. or support them in whatever way they're asking you to do. I personally like to, um, I call it poke the bruise, um, because when you get a bruise, you poke at it to see if it still hurts. Um, I like to poke the bruise when it comes to introducing pain into your customer's eyes. Um, Uh You have to... And it sounds mean, but you have to bring up their problem and make them really feel that problem before you can sell them the solution to that problem. So, you know, going back to the weight loss... You know, you got to make them feel bad about themselves a little bit. They already do, or they wouldn't be seeking you out to begin with, okay? They wouldn't have clicked on your email or your ad or opened your mail piece if they didn't already kind of want what you had. So you're not manipulating. You're not doing anything mean or evil or nefarious or any of those bad words. You're, you're getting them to really feel their pain so that they're ready for a solution now, and then, oh, look at that. I happen to have the solution now, and it's available to you, and I'm making you this offer because you need it, and I'm not selling you anything because you, you're, you're buy, you, it's an offer. It's not a selling. It's an offer. I'm offering right. you your, this solution. Let's and pull that, that out. Well, I, 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 sorry to interrupt. We need to pull that out. Um, the difference okay. between a sale and an offer. I just need to have, have that said again because this is something, yeah. if there's one thing that people take away from this call, I'm sorry to interrupt, but this is so yeah. important. I hear this all the time, and people miss the difference between an offer and a sale. Mm-hmm. All right. So when you're offering somebody something, you're giving them the solution. You're You're not... You don't give them that, you know, the the typical used car salesman icky feeling. You don't have that right. with an offer because you're not you're not coming to them with something that they don't want and talking them into something. You're not talking them into anything. You're showing them a solution to the pro- a very real actual problem that they really do have. Okay? Right. So you're not manufacturing pain. You're you're inc- you're increasing it. You're hitting it. You're poking that bruise. Of course you are right. because that's good copy. But you're not manufacturing right. it. If they if it's not them, they're going to throw your letter away. But it is them because you've targeted your message. <laughs> see, in, now, in a, see a, now we're talking here. Now we're talking about the key targeting your audience. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't go online researching things because things are going well. I go online certain researching things. Like there's a gap that needs filled. There's a problem that needs solved. Exactly. There's a pain that needs soothed. Or there's yeah. something in my mind that's just burning curiosity that I just need answers. Yes. All right. Perfect example. I I just adopted um, a couple cats. So that's the background noises that you're hearing is my kittens being um, 
kittens. Um, oh, and I one thought, of oh, them, that's your kittens. I thought that was, I thought that was my Batman in the other room. <laughs> no, no, my uh, my cats have paper bags on the floor that they like to play with. Um, but one so of them. My, so does my little girl. Yeah. Yeah, one of them will not stay off the counters, and he loves. Oh, he's actually on top of the fridge right now. He likes people food to the point where he's um, jumped up onto a hot stove, scratched my arms when I try to move him. Like, it's a problem, right? So I've gone right. online for looking, searching for a solution on how to train my kitten to not want my people food that he's not allowed to have mm-hmm. is not good for him. And I haven't found anything. All I find are these things that are just, you know, oh, you can put foil up there. Well, that's not helpful. I'm, not, I'm past that point. Now, if somebody had a website or a Google ad or a Facebook ad that said, I will help or I will come into your house and train your cat so that he never goes on the counter ever again in his whole life, I would, I would yell at them to take my money. I have a very real problem, and I cannot find a solution because nobody's offering it. Nobody has targeted me with this problem. Right. Now, if you are a cat behavior specialist and you have that kind of thing, I am your perfect client. Put your offer out there because at this point you're not selling me anything. You're offering me a solution to what I need. And I am your perfect customer because now you hear my pain, you know my pain, You've identified it right up front for me, and my eye goes right to it, and I click buy, or I pick up the phone, or I write you a check, or something. And that, that's, that's targeting your audience. Exactly. That's what it does. Exactly. That's what it does. Mm-hmm. Right. So what, so what do you say to those people? And, and, and I have to find I have to tread carefully on this. If I see some people griping this happens a lot in, 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 on Facebook. I notice it doesn't seem to happen too much in marketing discussion groups. It will happen on somebody's <laughs> wall where they'll say, you know, I hate that long copy, and nobody reads it anyway. Just tell me how much and how soon. What do you say to folks when they say that, especially that phrase, it. nobody reads it? <laughs> oh, I do get that. Um, and I've said something similar. I don't like marketing videos personally for myself. I don't like being marketed to through video. And I am in the major, I think I'm like 1%. I think 99% of people prefer video to text. I prefer to read it. Um, So I I totally get where they're coming from because I know that I'm in the minority here. People do read it. The people who need to read it will read it. The people who want to know how much are going to scroll to the bottom no matter how long your copy is. So that copy, if if they don't read the copy, then it wasn't written for them. If if they're if they're not interested by that headline, that headline isn't speaking to them. Your copy isn't targeted enough. If they're not reading your first sentence, your first sentence doesn't speak to them. Your copy is not targeted right. enough. You're not right. speaking to them on that human to human level that you need to be using if you want to build that successful relationship. So. You know, I, I also believe in the double readership path because there are people like me who are skimmers. I like to skim okay. through, see if it's interesting, and then I go back and read. Um, that's just an ADD thing, I think. <laughs> but so you have the double readership path of it. Excuse me, when marketers can, um, tell me what's important for me to know. Give me your headline. Give me your subheads. Highlight the important stuff. 
tell me what your product or your service is going to do for me, and um, and then let me go back and read in between the graphical enhancements, the bolds and the underlines and the colors. And that's why you see a lot of the quote-unquote ugly letters are full of bolding and italics and highlights. Right. Because they're, they're playing to those skimmers. If you look um, at what's highlighted and bolded, that's the that's the most important information um, in the right. sales letter. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, no. Does everybody read them? No, but the people who need to read them will. So it's worth it. That's what I say to those people. What I say, <laughs> yeah. What I say is it all depends on where you are and the website conversion conversation with that prospect. If there's somebody who already has a degree of know, like, and trust, hopefully you're targeting them with a shorter message that basically says, all right, here exactly. it is, here's how you get it, here's how we get started. Because at this point, they're a lot closer mm-hmm. to being ready to make that move. However, if they have not heard of you or this is their first time really exploring you, they need to mm-hmm. understand the story. They need to know why are they reading this? Why is mm-hmm. this important to me? How is this going to solve exactly. my pain or fix my problem. So you have to look mm-hmm. at where, where they are. I mean, there are cases, right. I mean, and, and, I, and then the other thing that I say about this is if you have a long piece, if you have a piece of long sales copy and you have your reader who just wants to see how much and how soon, they should be able to skim your subheadlines or click a link somewhere to get them right to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If they can't, yeah, think, if they can't they, find mm-hmm. the answer to those two questions in about five seconds, then you probably need to restructure your copy a little mm-hmm. bit because you also have to think about if you're in the middle of a product launch and you've already sent your list seven emails uh, and right. you're still showing them that same sales letter, that's fine, but they're probably a little more convinced at this right. point or a little bit closer mm-hmm. to making the move. Now, Absolutely. at this point, I'd like to make a little segue here because we have about 20 minutes left. And sure. What about email marketing copy? I'm going to ask the same question. <laughs> and uh, I, mm-hmm. I kind of suspect your answer already, but I'm very interested in hearing it. What kinds of emails should we be sending to people on our opt-in subscriber list? Should we be sending longer emails or shorter emails? Um, and see, it's so funny because I, I like the both. Um, I think if it's, your, if it's just your opt-in list and they haven't bought anything from you, they're in that camp where they need a little more convincing, right? Okay. They, they, haven't, they haven't really trusted you yet enough to buy anything from you, so they're going to need a little more convincing, so slightly right. longer. If, now, if they're those, those customers that everybody wants where they buy everything you put out within seconds of it launching, then you just need to say, here's the product, here's the link. Give me your money. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh-huh. there's, and that's the spectrum. So somebody who buys everything immediately, or somebody who's bought nothing ever, right? So you need to play to the differences within that spectrum. There are some people who may be on your subscriber list for you know six months, a year, two years, longer. They're going to need more, much more convincing than than somebody who joined yesterday and bought something. <laughs> you know, bought something yesterday. Right. It's, it's um, you know, again, both. I, I, there's, it's right for the person that it's right for. And I, right. I wish I could be, I, I wish I could be more specific than that. But every situation is so different because every person is so different. So, 
you know, I can't say that, that this exact word count is going to work for your list because I don't know your customer. I don't know their history with you. Right. I don't know their history in general, and I don't know your business. <laughs> Once I learn all those things, then I can tell you how long that email should be. And that is part of that research that we've all got to do to make sure we have great emails. Okay, let me okay, let me throw a couple uh, questions at you related to this. The first question sure. is, and I've seen some marketers do this, where if they're doing a product launch or a promotion, they'll just send the same, they'll just send the same email five times. Mm. <laughs> Have you seen that before? I've seen it. Um, I can see doing it once, like, hey, did you get this? And I, I've used that strategy. Like, I'll, I'll send an email, and then a couple of days later, I'll say, hey, I really just wanted to make sure you received my email. I know you'd be interested, but I haven't heard from you yet, so I've copied it here, or I've forwarded right. it to you, or something. But to do it again, or a fourth time, I, I, don't, I don't like that, because like you mentioned, they're at a different stage now. They've seen your email twice. They haven't responded they're not going to, not to that one. Right. They've already sent it twice. Sending it a third time I really don't think is going to get them to respond. Um, you know, there is the, the kind of person that just gets busy and forgets, maybe has bookmarked it to deal with on Friday. But even then sending a third one isn't going to do it because they're still not going to deal with it until they want to. So you've got to try a different tactic and, you know, hit a different pain point or take a different road to get them to your solution. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. Uh, another thing that I look at is it's my personal belief that I really don't want people hanging around in my emails, in, in, in emails I send to them one second longer than necessary. What I really want mm -hmm. is to get them onto a web page. So this is why I tend to like one of two things. I tend to lean towards mm -hmm. smaller, you know, shorter emails that get mm -hmm. to a point quickly, or uh, if I need, if I find that for some reason a longer email is necessary, like if it's the FAQ type email, which is one of the mm -hmm. one of the ingredients in almost every launch that we manage, uh, mm -hmm. I'll put a lot of links in there. Right. No, and I definitely do put links throughout. I mean, you introduce those links as soon as possible. We want them to hit your website as soon as they're ready to hit your website. You know what I mean? Because once they hit your website, they're, start, they're saying, yes, I'm ready for this sales process. And depending on how robust your system is, um, your CRM, you can see who clicks and then maybe even target the people who clicked but didn't buy. So see, we're still right. whittling down and targeting and narrowing that focus so that it feels like we're speaking to them on that human-to-human -human level. Um, right. You know, again, your copy shouldn't be one word longer than it needs to be. And some people okay. have very, very large success with those curiosity-driven emails, like, hey, look what I did today. Mm -hmm. Link, done. That's your email. A lot of people right. have great success with that because that's the kind of thing that works for their list. Other right. people have great success with emails that, you know, three or four scrolls of the mouse long because that's the kind of email that works for their list. So a right. lot of it is really what works for your list. And I think customers need need fewer words and leads need more words um, because you're asking them to click. That's an action you're asking them to take. 
to stop to stop what they're doing, which is checking their emails, and to, to interrupt their pattern, right? Because everybody's got a pattern when they read emails. They click, they delete. They click, they delete. They click, they delete. You're mm-hmm. asking them to interrupt that pattern, to be okay leaving a few more unread emails, and if it's a work day, you know, you're asking them to set aside work that they may be or may not be willing to do. <laughs> Right and and read your stuff and make a decision. That's a pattern interrupt. So you got to treat that as the big deal that it is. Exactly. Exactly. I think you're absolutely right about that. So here's now here's a challenge that I see, and I've had this happen before, and and I think there's a reason why some of these folks are previous clients for a reason. <laughs> um, they would send these emails to me, and it would be about six paragraphs long. And if I were to measure the paragraphs on my monitor, each mm-hmm. paragraph would be about an inch and a half tall. Mm-hmm. Now, bear in mind, this is somebody who this is somebody who is giving me money, and I would take right. that email and I would follow it for later. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, I had plenty of time. I had plenty of time to respond to other emails where they got to the point where where it made it easier for me to answer, where they gave me a question that I could answer instead of making me read like five page, pages. A background, and there have been times where mm-hmm. um, I would say, "Yeah, I got your email. I couldn't understand it," so, or uh, or mm-hmm. they would get frustrated when I would say, "You know, this is a little bit beyond an email. Uh, this kind of is going to require a phone conversation." It feels like, or I would write back and I would say, "I can't make heads or tails of this. What is your question?" Right. So when we well, have people yeah. who are on email information overload already, they don't have time to read emails from their paying clients, much less marketing emails being sent out mm-hmm. with the idea that they're going to buy something or invest in something. And But your testing and mm-hmm. your knowledge of your audience and where they are in that website conversion conversation, that process of no like, and trust, tells us that mm-hmm. a longer email may at this point be more warranted. What can we do with that longer email to – uh, get, increase the chances that people are actually going to, you know, glance at it, see there's going to be a bit of reading, and say, you know what, I'm going to stop and read this anyway. Yeah. Well, the first thing that you mentioned was the paragraph size. Um, okay. A lot of times we write for computer screens like we do for paper, right? Um, yes. And that's the wrong way to do it. You need different fonts, first of all. Um, and different paragraph sizes. That's a big deal. You really don't want your paragraph to be any more than three lines long on a screen. Um, you know, four lines if it's a single word, but even then that's pushing it. You know what I mean? It's the right. shorter lines because your eyes get tired and our eyes skip around when it's too much text, right? You're like, oh, my gosh, did I read that line or the next line? Which line do I need to be on? And you have to almost trace your computer screen with your finger. And if you're on a tablet, forget it, because then you're moving the whole screen. Um, (laughs) So three lines and the graphical um, cosmetic enhancements that we talked about, the bolding and the highlighting and the colors and subheads and things like that for those skimmers. You're going to find more skimmers in email than you do in direct mail. Or, or other print um, media. So because, again, of that eye being tired and that time crunch, email is a quick, quick, quick thing. I'm reading my email, I'm moving on. I'm reading my email, I'm moving on. So uh, right. your headline needs to be spectacular. And I really like the subject line. Like I'll, I'll give you my little template, my favorite one. I like a good subject line that leads into a headline, then a salutation, and then a subheadline. So, uh, you know, okay. I'll say, um, 
I, you know, first in the subject line, it might be Adam, comma, I might be crazy, dot, 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 or something. And then the headline would be, but I'm going to offer you this once-in-a-lifetime solution to your biggest problem ever, and it ends tonight at 7 p.m. And then it'll say, Dear Adam, or Hey Adam, or Hiya Adam, or however I I treat my audience. Um, Yo Adam might be appropriate for some people. Right. Um, do you want? I I I, me I, have, to... a cli- I have a client. I have a client that does that. I have a I have a client that wants uh, that wants to the sal- salutation of what up bitches. Okay, if that works for but his it made list, your audience great. laugh and it converted, and that's the that that's the type of that's the type of conversation that their audience expected when they saw somebody write right. something like that. They said, "This is one. Yeah, you know, you're one of us. We're interested." Exactly. So that's why I said, hey, hi, yo, what up, bitches, however we want to say it. (laughs) Apparently I'm in their audience because that made me giggle too. Um, (laughs) And then we do a subhead that talks back to that headline and basically says, this letter is going to show you how to do that. Give me five five minutes and I'm going to solve your biggest problem. Right. And you have to promise them something. Yeah, you have to promise them it's going to be worth it. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right about all these things. And a lot of what you described falls under the header of digital literacy. I have a client who is an mm-hmm. outstanding copywriter. I mean, he understands the storytelling aspect. He knows mm-hmm. the know, like, and trust. He knows how to link the problem to the solution and everything mm-hmm. else. And he sends me sales copy all the time. And I look at this and I say, you know what? Just like the other 25 pieces you sent me, you're 90% of the way there. The problem is you wrote this like it was going to be in your next published book, but exactly. uh, we need to break this up and put some mm-hmm. headlines and turn some of these long paragraphs into short bullet point lists right. so that somebody can read it on a web page. And, uh, mm-hmm. and at this point, uh, the relationship I have with him is I'll write this in a way that feels comfortable to me. You'll take it and you'll translate it into something that will feel comfortable to my web readers, and I'll go along with it. Exactly. And that's an awesome relationship to have because everybody knows where their strengths are and you work to your strengths. Not that you know, right. he works to his strength and then you help him make his strength super strong. You super strength it. <laughs> precisely. Pre- pre- preci- precisely. Precisely. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and my comment to him many times has been, you gave me everything I need, it just needs to be rearranged. Exactly. Exactly. And honestly, I find that a lot with um with clients that come to me for for copy review and they've they've got right. great stuff they know their stuff they know their business they know their audience they know what works it just needs to be moved around and formulated a little bit so that it goes in the right order absolutely <laughs> you know you know you know we we spoke earlier in this in this call about or, or this episode about how we have clients that come to us sometimes and say, well, we don't need you to think, we need you to implement. My coach already told me how to do it. Mm-hmm. And I had one of those come to me, and uh, and uh, the per- and I already knew, because, and this is back when we were in web development, and this is usually what we would do, they'd hand us the copy if we get them to give it to us. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then it was, that, it was that same thing even then. I would even build into the budget that I'd have to spend half a day fixing their copy, which had all the elements just in the wrong places. Yep. And... Uh, and uh, they were very specific, and we ended up not doing business with them partially for this reason. And you're going to hear the other part in about three seconds. Um, <laughs> partially because they were so emphatic about when I give you the copy, just implement it. I don't need your 
inputs. Mm. And I would mm-hmm. say, okay, well, I can't, I can't guarantee you any results then. So, I mean, I, I said that. Right. I said that. that. That's fine. I'll take your money because this will be a no-brainer gig, and I'm going to charge you the regular rate for it if that's fine with you because uh, you're still taking the same amount of my time and you're paying the same amount of my mm-hmm. team's time. But I can't guarantee you any results of this whatsoever because I can't endorse your message or your methodology one bit because you're not right. even letting me comment on it. And they said, well, that's mm-hmm. perfectly fine because a light beam from the heavens entered my brain and told me what I needed to say. Mm-hmm. And I said, go chase the light beam. Goodbye. <laughs> right. There are plenty of people. But uh, you're absolutely right. There are some clients that you just have to say, that's fine, but I can't guarantee you anything. Right. I can't, we right. can't even have this numbers discussion because you don't want my input on your copy. Um, Perci- precise, as, precisely. And, mm-hmm. and that person yeah, missed two other key points. Uh-huh. That person has two other key points, one of which was they didn't ask a single prospect. They're trusting a light beam. Well, my right. question to them today, if they somehow found their way back into my radar screen, would be uh, how much money does that light beam have? Or is that light beam going to be investing right. in your coaching and mastermind? Is that light beam going to buy your products? Because we're not writing for the light beam. We're writing for the people who have you money. And, oh, and, I, and, right. I, and I remember another thing this person this person said is that um, I asked them what research they had done and just to get a sense of what marketing plan they'd put together mm-hmm. in terms of in terms of developing a message it would sell. And I'm thinking, right. well, they might say that you know they they collaborated with their mastermind or they actually did some research. And they said, yeah. well, I asked five friends of mine and they all think it's a great idea. Now, oh. first of all, I thought they were being sarcastic. Right. I thought they were being sarcastic, but they actually were serious. They seriously had asked five friends of theirs, and their five uh, friends all thought it was a good idea, and therefore they were going to go with it. Oh, oh, that hurts. That hurts. That hurts my heart. Like, it makes me sad for these people. Again, again, it makes right. me just as sad for them as it does for me for AARP, because I can see so much potential being wasted. And, you know, maybe there is there are people out there who need what those people are offering who need their right. solution, who who respond to their message, and they're not getting it because they're not doing it right. And so I guess that's, you know, that's my whole thing with this copy thing. You know, I said before, you're not doing anything evil, bad, or nefarious, um, just because I like that word, really. Um, right. <laughs> but you're you're giving people a solution to a very real problem that they're having. Yes. And so there's nothing bad about that. Yeah, you're profiting off of other people's problems, but that's what commerce is. Like it's all exactly. solving problems for money. Right. But you're solving somebody's very real problem and, and it hurts that these people can't do that because they they're so misguided. It it exactly. Makes me sad. <laughs> exactly. Well, here's the thing, Allison. Speaking of guidance, uh, we've been talking so well. We literally have an hour, uh, excuse me, a minute and 42 seconds left. So real quick, oh, no, 30 seconds. Oh, no, we better seconds. hurry and talk fast. Anybody, yeah, I know. Anybody who's interested, how can they get a hold of you for the subject further? Well, you can search for me on Facebook, A-L-Y-S-O-N-L-E-X. Weird first name, I know. Or you can head over to mm-hmm. rockyourmarketing.com. That's R-O-C-K-Y-O-U-R. M-A-R-K-E-T-I-N-G dot com. And that's my website. I'll have contact forms and links to my social media, all those things. Um, and and that's, that's the best place to find me. Um, yeah, rockyourmarketing.com. You bet. And everybody who's listening, remember, at businesscreatorsradioshow.com, 
You can always check out our previous episodes, and every one of our guest experts, such as Allison Lex, will have a guest expert profile with links back to their websites or social media, so you can get a hold of them at any time. So, Allison Lex, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, my gosh. I had so much fun. Thank you for having me, and uh, we'll have to chat again soon. I had a blast. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to have you back because it looks like we have about three hours worth of conversation on this subject alone, and uh, we could probably we could probably entertain ourselves and our audience all day long. So I hope everybody, you know, everybody listening, go back and listen to the podcast again on iTunes because you're going to get a lot of Allison's great tips on how to structure your copy and your email marketing. So for now, this is Adam Homie, host of BusinessCreatorsRadioShow.com. Have a great day. Take care. <laughs>